So yeah, Ronnie said enough about me. I, I did want to say that my beautiful wife is here, my best friend, definitely my better half. Uh, and then my biological brother and older brother in Christ, Jamie, is here. Some of you guys know Jamie, who is a member of our church, which is still blows my mind because when I was converted in 1997, Jamie lived in Arkansas at the time, was really the only believer I knew of in my family, and he mentored me, discipled me, and so to be his pastor is uh, very humbling. Um, Brother Carl's here, uh, who's a member of our church, and he was, um, we went to church with him, oh, I thought I lost my notes, there they were. Yeah, so we, we went to church with Carl eight years before we planted this church, and he, uh, by his own choice, uh, decided to be a part of 116 Bible Church. So yeah, we planted this church about a year and a half ago, and uh, got started on it just right before COVID hit, so fun for a new pastor. But I will say, by God's grace, we never quit meeting. We continue to meet, and uh, and I and I am we are one of the churches. I am a lone elder, although we are working on getting a brother. In the uh, we know that's a temporary deal because I wholeheartedly agree with uh, what Brother Eric preached to us. It is a call for multiple elders. So that is my prayer request for our body, guys. If you'd pray for us, just that God would uh, bring on that that other elder, and we, and we do have a guy in mind. So. Uh, so yeah, I was asked to talk about members. Uh, Ronnie said I had an hour and 45 minutes. Is that right? No? Oh, 45 minutes. And uh, a lot like Justin was saying last night, I, you know, I was thinking members. There's so many different things you could talk about and uh, you know, angles you could come at it from. And so basically I decided to, uh, you know, three, try to do three 15-minute sections. One really looking at what it means to be a member of the universal church, you know, the uh, invisible church, because I think that's very important. Uh, and then secondly, we'll look at just the whole idea, is, is being a member of a local church biblical? Obviously, we're just going to skim the surface. Really, each one of these could be a sermon or a series of sermons. And then lastly, real briefly, we'll look at what it looks like to be a healthy church member. We don't want to be just a member, but a healthy one. So that's, that's the direction I'm headed. Let me pray for us real quick, then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come to you today in your Son's name, the authority of his blood. We thank you for his blood. We thank you for the, the cross of Christ, Lord. I just thank you so much for all the, the men here, the, the pastors here, the fellowship we've had, all of the, the body of Christ here, the different churches that's represented just the wonderful fellowship we've had, Lord, that we have in your Son, through your Spirit, Lord. And, and Lord, I just pray that you would continue to minister to, to these precious saints here, Lord, and to us as the uh, under-shepherds. In Jesus' name, amen. And so a lot of this I've noticed, I noticed with the, when Matt preached last night, there's a lot of overlap, right? We're talking about the, the church, who is the church, the different functions of the church, the leadership. So a lot of things you hear me talk about the scriptures I'm going to use has already we've already heard them but of course I'm going to be coming at it from a slightly different angle so obviously really by way of reminder uh, the church is not a building correct you know when we think of Bowlegs Baptist Church where is Bowlegs Baptist Church well it's right there that, that building over there no that we just know that this is where the body of 
the members of Bowlegs Baptist Church gather. This is their gathering place. So I think you guys are well aware of that. The church is made up of individual people. Matt touched on that last night. I really feel like I'm repeating a lot of what Matt said, especially here at the beginning. But it's made up of individual people, or in our case, members whom God has called to himself. Matt talked about that a lot, that effectual call that we see in the scriptures. Again, he, he, he talked about what the Greek word, ekklesia, just, it's just an assembly of people that God has called out of the world to worship him. That's what the church is. And so just real briefly, we're going to talk about the universal church or the invisible church. You may hear either term used as talking about the same thing. It's really, it's the elect of God, whom God has saved by his grace. And God is the only one who knows who the invisible church really is. But it's the true believers around the world who have been called out of the world, the invisible church. In uh, Romans 1, 7, these, these um, individuals who has been called out of the world is referred to as saints. And of course, I think most of you guys are probably aware we're not talking about a uh, you know, super uh, religious person or a, some little female angel with wings. No, these are the, this is what God refers to as His people, whom He has called out of the world were, were regarded as saints. So I would encourage you to remind yourself of that. When you're reading the Scriptures, that's who you are. You're a saint of God because you've been called out of the world to Himself. Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 1-4 through 4 refers to these, talks about these saints as been chosen before the foundation of the world. So even before God's effectual call, that he, when He drew you to Himself, He chose you. He chose His saints, those whom were chosen before the foundation of the world. 1 Peter 2.9 gives us a little more insight about, about this, the, the, the church, these individuals who are, who are called. It says they were called out of darkness into His marvelous light. Have you been called out of darkness? You see, we're either in darkness or we have been called into His marvelous light. It reminds me of Jesus' words in John chapter 12. He said, I have come into this world. I have come into this world as light so that whoever believes in Me may not remain in darkness. He is the light. He is the marvelous light. And so God's church, those whom He's called, have been called out of the darkness, out of this world, into the light, to the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 5 and 6, it says God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. It's real important to understand. It says if we say that we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So that used to be me for several years as a, um, what you call a false convert. You know, just a very shallow profession of Christ. but, But I walked in darkness. And so I would hate for that to be true of somebody here. So somebody who's been called, this calling, it's a calling out of darkness, out of this wicked, evil world system into the light of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.19 says a little more about these, these ones who were called. It says we are members of God's household. Members of God's household. Really, really we see here, it's not even talking about any particular local assembly, which is what we're going to look at in a few moments. But the church... Individually speaking, we are members of God's household, adopted into His family. That's who the church is. That's who the members 
of the universal church are adopted into the family of God. I remember when I was converted in 1997. You know, we, we've been kind of sharing our testimonies, Justin and I, this morning. And I mean, I had no Christian background. I, had, I knew nothing about the Bible. Nothing whatsoever. Moses, who's that? The ark, who's that? Nothing. Didn't even know who Christ was. I didn't know he was God or anything. And I remember when I was converted, just, just trying to, you know, and Jamie, he helped me a lot. He said, Brady, you need to learn who you are in Christ. That now I'm a, I'm a part of the family of God. This stuff was so foreign to me. So know that if you've been called out of darkness into the light, you're part of God's universal church. You are a part of God's family, universal You've been adopted into his family. There's not a more beautiful picture of really uh, of what it means to be a child of God than the doctrine of adoption. And so for, for those of you who have, you know, have uh, taken in children uh, and adopted children, been, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, foster, yeah, foster care and adopted, you know, um, what, what a picture. That God takes us in as orphans, spiritual orphans. But that's who you are if you know Christ today. 1 Corinthians 1.9, a little bit more about this calling. It says we've been called into fellowship with Christ. That's what it means to be part of the universal church. To be a member. To be a member, to be a part of, or to belong to the universal church. It's called into fellowship with Jesus Christ. Do you belong? Do you belong to the universal church? You've got to answer that question, first of all. Before we start talking about being a member of a local church, are you a member of or do you belong to God's true church? Are you part of the true Israel of God? Do you belong? Are you a member of the, of the, of the universal church? And so you need to be able to answer that. That's what's most important. Are you a part of the body of Christ, in other words? You know, Christ is the head. There's many members. Are you a part of that body of Christ? I don't think there's anything that could be sadder or, or more tragic than for somebody to be a member of a local church, maybe their entire life, and to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and hear those awful words, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. If you're familiar with that text in Matthew chapter 7, we have to remember the context of that, or or really the the language of that, rather, that these people are not professing Buddhists or Muslims. These people cry out, Lord. Think longtime members of local churches. Lord, and what do they say? Lord, we did all these things. I prophesied in your name. That means I preached in your name. Preachers are going to be there that day. I taught Sunday school in your name. Did many miracles in your name. Cast out demons in your name. And he's going to declare, it doesn't say to a few, but to many, depart from me. That's tragic. That's tragic. And you've heard the gospel from every speaker that that spoke. Those of you who have been here, maybe there's somebody who hasn't been here. But I would, I would not even concern yourself about being a, worrying about being a member of a local church until you know that you have been called out of darkness and called to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've heard the gospel. He came, he died. Justin declared to us last night, reminded us who he is. 
He is God in the flesh, the second person of the triune God. He lived the perfect life that we could not live, died the death, suffered the punishment that we deserve. The wrath of God was poured out upon him upon the cross. He said, it is finished, was buried, rose again, ascended to the right hand of God. And like Justin so clearly pointed out last night, the option, you have two options. To repent and to believe, which is the command from heaven, or to perish. Don't perish. Do not perish. Do not perish. Come to him. Come to Jesus Christ. Be a part of that universal church. He saves wretched sinners. Amen? Amen. Saves wretched sinners. And so having said all that, really, which is our first of three things we're going to look at, the universal church, being a member of God's universal church, the invisible church, what does it mean to be a healthy member of a local church, and is it really biblical? I think we'll look at that second one first. Is church membership biblical, or, or, is, it, or is it biblical to belong to a local church? Really the same language. And so you're not going to see a clear command or a mandate in the New Testament. There's not going to be a proof text, right? And so that's what a lot you'll hear from a lot of people who are maybe fighting against being, becoming a member of a church. Well, I don't see it in the New Testament. There's not a command to become a member, so it must not be there. Right? Kind of like the Trinity. You know, the word Trinity is not in there, so it must not be there. We know it's implied throughout. And it, it's really the same thing with this. That it's... Uh, you know, it's not an 11th commandment. It's not an additional beatitude. Blessed are those who are members of the local church. But it's implied. And so that just simply means, the word imply means to strongly suggest the truth or existence of something that's not expressly stated. And so hopefully this will, um, if maybe you haven't, you know, thought about these things, maybe you'll have enough after you leave today to at least whet your appetite, at least maybe look further that this, this thing called church membership, belonging to a church, being accountable to leaders, uh, being committed, uh, we can see it in the New Testament. First thing we'll look at, I'm really still in Matt's thunder from last night, just the idea, that the language that it uses, real simply stated in, in uh, a lot of the letters in the New Testament, we see the reality of local churches. First and second Corinthians, the language is to the church at Corinth. Galatians, to the churches at, in Galatia. First and second, second Thessalonians, to the church at Thessalonica. And then some of the other uh, letters, you know, it's directed to the leaders of these individual churches. Revelation 2 and 3. John wrote these letters, not to just the universal church for anybody, but to seven individual churches. So we see the reality of individual local churches. It's really a doctrine that's looked down upon. You know, especially the, the background I had within the, um, the open air community, open air street preaching, there's a lot of nomads, drifters, you know, that they're not accountable to anybody. They didn't want to be accountable to anybody. And, I, and I'm thankful by God's grace I never fell into that. I always had an understanding by God's grace in the teaching and just through different brothers that I knew that the local church is, it's biblical, it's essential to be under uh, leadership. So most of you guys are probably familiar with Pastor James Coates from Canada, the first brother that got in prison, I think for about a month. An example of this, he wrote, I believe this was after he was out, 
And he wrote a letter to Pastor John MacArthur because he went to that seminary. And so he has a relationship with him. He wrote a letter to a specific pastor, John MacArthur, to read to a specific flock. And I happened to hear it when MacArthur read that. Just an example. He didn't write that letter to just the church. He wrote it to a specific church, specific elders. If I was to write a letter to Ronnie, I would address it. Pastor Ronnie and... First Baptist Church at Boaz. It's really just the simple idea that there are local churches. We understand that. The second thing we're, we're going to look at under that to help us understand this reality of, a, you know, of maybe being more looking at a little bit more in depth of um, being accountable. The idea of membership is just when we look at church government. Okay? Now I'm going to read some similar verses that I, I think uh, Eric read all of these. I know I know he was preaching out of 1 Peter 5. But I'm going to I'm going to read these three passages of scripture and then just make a few comments. Maybe help you see things that uh, if you haven't thought about these things or if you encounter others who haven't thought about these things who want to who want to argue against the reality of belonging to a local church. Hebrews 13 verse 17. The writer says, "Obey your leaders." And submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls. As those who will give an account. I'm emphasizing certain words for a reason. Acts 20 verse 28. When Paul is addressing the uh, Ephesian elders. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And then the same passage Eric preached through a while ago. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge but proven to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Okay, so what can we glean from, from these texts when we're talking about belonging to a local church or being members of a local church? Elders and pastors can be on guard for all the flock. Some of these, some of these um, imperatives that we read in these texts. They can be on guard for all the flock. They can preside oversight. They can shepherd, which includes feeding with the word, keeping watch over their souls, being an example as one who will give an account. All of these things that we read, they can do all of these things only if they know who it is that is a part of their flock. There's a specific group of people. And Eric touched on that. There's a, it's not just you're responsible for the universal church. That's, that's absurd. I am responsible, and I think Eric made this similar statement. I am responsible to look after the souls who are committed to 116 Bible Church. So there's three individuals in this room that I'm responsible for. Okay, I'm not responsible for anybody else in here as far as what these commands are for. 
when these commands are made to the, the pastors and the elders. This commitment is expressed through what we call membership. It's a commitment being counted as one who makes a covenant to love and serve each other. We'll talk about that more here in a few minutes. So I'm not going to give an account for shepherding Sovereign Grace Bible Church and vice versa. I think we're probably all aware of that, but maybe not. And then likewise, those who are in a certain flock. Now we're talking about the individuals in the flock. You are not responsible to submit to my leadership. You're not responsible to submit to John MacArthur. You're responsible to submit to the elders whom God has placed over you to shepherd you. None of this even makes sense apart from belonging to a local church. And so Christian here sitting, sitting here today, you're commanded, we saw in Hebrews and these other texts, to submit and to obey your leaders. Who are your spiritual leaders if you're not a member of or belong to a local church? You can't answer that question. You're what I'll refer to here in a moment, a drifter. You just drift to and fro in and out of life church. Not his life church, but like you. But, and so... Yeah, who are you accountable to? That's that's what it gets down to, right? If you're not a member of a local church, who are you accountable to? You're not. And I think I think that's where the issue lies. Being a part of a local church, being a member of a local church, it comes down to accountability and commitment. And I think we would all say that our culture, by and large, they don't like those two things. Being committed to anything, especially somebody... You know, when, you, when you're talking about being, being committed to a church, being accountable, but that's what entails being a member of a local church. And then thirdly, we can see it in the area of church discipline. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17, we see the model of church discipline that Jesus lays out. You know, if a brother sins or sins against you, or, or sins, depends on what version you're reading. What do you do? You go to him privately, Right? That, that kind of stuff happens all the time. You go to a brother, hey, you know, and you work things out. It says if he's repented, you've won your brother. If not, what do you do? You take one or two with you. If he doesn't, if he doesn't repent, then what does it say? Tell it to the church. Who's the church? Does that mean we contact Grace to you and say, hey, could, could you broadcast that on Grace to you? That we have a sinning member who's not repentant. And we need the whole church across America to know. Absolutely not. Tell it to the church. Who's the, and, and who's the church if there's no membership? Is it just, again, any drifter that comes through? Is it any unbeliever who happens to be there? Do we tell it to the universal church? Just questions to think about. Obviously not. You tell it to the church whom God has made you a shepherd over. 1 Corinthians 5, 9-13 is another example of church discipline where you have the unrepentant, immoral, professing believer. In verse verse 13, Paul says this, Remove the wicked man from among you. In other words, put him out. Put him out. In both of these texts, Matthew 18 and this one, 
The unrepentant is to be excommunicated, put out of the church, treated like an unbeliever, in other words, evangelized. How are they to be put out unless they were in? It makes no sense. In other words, guys, we're just looking at a few of these things that we see. And really, you, can't, you cannot turn a page in the New Testament really and make sense of a lot of things without church, if there is no church membership. No accountability to spiritual leaders. These type of things, no commitment. None of the, you can't make sense of texts like this apart from the local church. Apart from being a member of a local church. And so again, without membership in a local church, there's no commitment, there's no accountability. And so thirdly, Ronnie, I'm doing good on time, man. I'm real good. Uh, thirdly, a healthy member. What does a healthy member look like? So it wouldn't be enough just to be a member. But what does a good Churchmen look like a healthy member of a local church, which is obviously as pastors and elders, that's what we want. We want a healthy member. First uh, Timothy three fourteen and fifteen, Paul says this writing to Timothy. So in the first couple chapters, he had he had went over a few things that uh, you know that, that 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 healthy members do: pray without ceasing, pray for your leaders. Then he went over the uh, qualifications of leaders. And in verses 14 and 15, he says this, I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long, but in case I am delayed, I write that so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. So we're, we're expected to conduct ourselves in a certain way as believers. To live out our Christian faith, to be a healthy, productive member of a local church. And again, guys, I struggled with, you could go so many directions with these things and how to fit this, you know, into a, a short window of time. But turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And I, again, I am doing better than I thought on time, so I won't have to rush quite as bad at the end as I was thinking. Uh, <clears throat> Ephesians 4. I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. And obviously, this is a lot here. Many sermons in this text here, but uh, just going to try to point out a few things, make a few comments before we move on. Paul says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, there's that calling, with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness. Hear the language here. This is, this is, the, this is how we are expected if we've been called out of darkness, called into God's family, we're to be walking with all humility, with all gentleness, with all patience. Patient with your brother. Patient with your sister. Showing tolerance for one another in love. Being diligent. Okay, this, this language here, these next few verses, listen to the language of unity. Spiritual unity. Not unity at all costs, but unity in Christ. Um, so being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were also called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, 
who is over all and through all and in all. You know, you think about the different backgrounds that we have came out of. You know, the different ethnicities within the body of Christ. Obviously, the different genders. You're either one or the other. Different backgrounds. All of these things. And you see the unity, guys. How is it that you can meet somebody whom you don't know, you don't have anything in common with, but when you have, start having this conversation and you realize that the same Spirit of God indwells them who indwells you, you experience some of that unity. And obviously, that's a little more difficult to maintain when you get to know people. But it's still there. It's still there. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one calling. And then to uh, verse 7, but to each of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. We're not going to really get to that part, but we're going to look at a few of the one another's in the New Testament here in a minute. But just remember, we've all been gifted. We've all been given spiritual gifts. What is it? 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul talks about the different members in the body. And we're not all hands and we're not all feet. and We're not all mouths, but we all need each other. That's how the body of Christ functions. Not everybody's called to speak. But we have all these different gifts, all these different ways that we serve the body. So just remember that when we go through some of these one another's. He says, therefore it says, when He ascended on high, He led captive a host of captives. He gave gifts to men. Now this expression, He ascended, what does it mean except that He also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? I'm not going to preach on that. Ronnie did that a few months ago. Um but he, he who descended is himself also he who ascended far above the heavens so that he might fill all things. Really, these last three verses. And he gave some of his apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Okay, uh, Colossians, Colossians 3.14, just talking about that unity, that bond of peace that we looked at. It says, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. That's where true unity is found. The love of the brethren, the love that Christ has put placed in our hearts, the love of God in our hearts. So that's where all true unity is found is, is, is learning how to love the brethren. And then that verse in Ephesians 4.12, we're going to look at that from a couple of different aspects of, of really what it looks like to be a healthy member. It says for the Ephesians 4.12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. That's why God has given pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Ministering to the body. And so originally I had two areas that we we're going to look at. Ministering to the body, to one another, and ministering to the world. And I was reading through uh, Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. And he touched on this and he had, a, he had a third one. As far as this ministry of the church. And it's the ministry, first of all, to God. And then the body. And then the world. So just real quickly... To be a healthy church member would be one whose top priority in life is to worship God. Right? To worship God. 
If you guys remember in, in, in John chapter 4, what did Jesus tell the woman at the well that the Father is seeking? True worshipers. God is seeking true worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so really to be a member of God's universal church meaning, means you're one who desires to worship God. And of course you take that into the local church. And worship covers all areas of life. But let's just take the Lord's Day. Why do you come to church on the Lord's Day together with God's people? I hope the top reason is to worship your God. It's to worship the one who has saved you. It's to worship the one who is worthy of all worship. We're to glorify him in everything we do. So I, so I hope that when we come to the Lord's Day together with the Lord's people, that we're not coming. Yes, there's, there's other reasons we come, but it's primarily to worship our God because he is worthy of our worship. So that's whether we're singing, whether we're listening to the preached word, we are worshiping in adoration. He is worthy to be worshipped, right? What's the song? Is he worthy? Revelation chapter 5, of course he's worthy. Jesus Christ is worthy. So that is our highest ministry, I guess you could say, is to minister back to God. Love and adoration for who he is and what he has done. Secondly, it's the, uh, it's the, it's the ministering of one another. Members to members, right? That's the church of Jesus Christ. That's why the body of Christ, I've learned to appreciate more and more the local church over really the last few years. is just the ministry that we have towards one another. God, nowhere in the Scripture, again, getting back to this point of being a member of a church, calls us to be Lone Ranger Christians, to be drifters, to be nomads. I don't need the church. These type of things. That is disobedience and rebellion. So really just for sake of time, I want you to listen to this, these language, this language of the one another's. Raise your hand if you're familiar with the doctrine of the one another's. You ever heard of the one another's? Well, the one another's, there's, um, for many sources I've read, there's around 59 of them in the New Testament. I don't, I've never counted. I think some of those are counting ones that repeat each other. But I've got 21 listed. Um, I preached for about three months through the one another's um, at our church. When I was reading Albert Martin's pastoral theology, he was talking about the ministry of the one another's or the doctrine of the one another's. And he just highly recommended if you're a new church plant to preach to the one another's. And so that's what I did. I think, you know, I know I benefited. Um, I think it was fruitful because we got to learn to live with one another. Right. What have we been talking about? Persecution's coming. And so now we're going through first Peter. But I thought, man, we got to learn how to deal with one another before we learn how to deal with the outside world. And so, just listen. I'm not even going to really comment on many of these. I'm just going to read them so you can hear the language of the New Testament on how we're to minister to one another and ask yourself, how does this make sense apart from belonging to a local church? Am I, am I to minister to these one another's to somebody in Wisconsin? Or, well, I think I'll, uh, Alistair Begg, I'll minister to his body these morning. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's all within a local church. But if, you're, if you want to know some of the ways, most of these are imperatives, not all of them, how you are to minister, how we will be accountable to God, and how also it's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been gifted in different areas, but God has saved us. He's equipped us. He's empowered us to minister to one another through His abiding Spirit. 
But here, here it goes. Here's 21 of them, beginning with love one another. So, so think about your local church, the individual faces that come to your mind. This is how God has told us to minister to one another. We're to love one another. We are to honor one another. We are to stop passing judgment on one another. We are to accept one another. We are to instruct one another. Greet one another. Serve one another. Bear with one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Some of these were very hard to preach through. Very convicting. Uh, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. Teach and admonish one another. Encourage one another. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. Do not slander one another. Live in harmony with one another. Offer hospitality to one another. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Be at peace with one another. Confess your sins to one another. And lastly, pray for one another. Does that make any sense apart from the local church? Zero sense. And that, and that is how we are to minister to one another. And that is why God gave us pastors and teachers. Again, no apostles. It's debatable whether there's an office of evangelists. But obviously, there are pastors and teachers to equip us for these things. Sitting under the Word of God, being fed on a regular basis, equips us to minister to one another. And then lastly, what about ministering to those outside the church? 1 Peter 2.9, I think, says it very clearly. It says this, but you are a chosen race. Isn't the doctrine of election beautiful? When we, when we understand who we are, we are dead in our sins, unable, unwilling to come to God. If, you ever, if you're in here and you struggle with that doctrine, study the doctrine of total, complete depravity, inability, and you'll realize that, praise God, that He chose me. So it says you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Here it is. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who what? Who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. If you belong to Christ, God chose you before the foundation of the world. He called you out of darkness into His marvelous light so that you may proclaim Him the excellencies of Him, who He is, right? God in the flesh, the second person of the triune God, His work, His life, His death, His atonement, His resurrection from the dead. You are to proclaim Him. We are to proclaim Him to this world. So we see the three, really to be a to be a healthy member, we want to, we want to make sure our highest priority is It's the worship of our God. Adore Him. Study His attributes. Study who He is. 
And remind yourself of the gospel daily. What he has saved you from an eternal lake of fire. He saved you from that if you know him. And proclaim that. Proclaim him. To those in your family who don't know him. To your neighbors. To strangers. Proclaim him. I will say this. If you're shy, if you can't open your mouth, you take some of them gospel tracts right back there on that table, and when you give one of those to somebody, you are proclaiming Him. Okay? You just give somebody the Word of God. And so in closing, guys, that's, that's uh, really all I have by way of membership for the allotted time that I had. <laughs> but in closing, I just want to give an encouragement to my fellow pastors in this room. Uh, and there's many of you. And, and I am the new kid on the block, okay? And I, and I ask these guys for help all the time. But I want to give an encouragement to you guys, and really to everybody in this room if you know Christ. Again, a scripture we've heard probably in every message so far, Matthew 16, 18. What did Jesus say? I will build my church. I will build my church. This conference is the conference of small churches, pastors of small churches, We have small churches. Guys, don't try to build your church. Christ will build His church. So so what should that tell us? That should tell us to avoid that thing called pragmatism. Right? Man, if something works and I can get more people in here, don't do it. Don't compromise with it. Stay away from the skinny jeans and all that cool stuff. Now, if you want to wear skinny jeans, go ahead. Some of us can't. But avoid pragmatism, right? Guys, every time I've made this comment that I've been going downtown for 12 years now, and especially in a certain part of town, around Bricktown, a lot of teenagers down there, I could get 20 decisions every time I went. Get a group of teenagers, they're intimidated by a guy like me. How many of you guys would like to pray this prayer? And they all pray it. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to faithfully preach the gospel. So specifically for you guys who stand behind the pulpit week after week, what are we commanded to do? To preach the Word. Right? Preach the Word. When are we to do it? In season and out of season. When they cheer you on and when they get up and walk out. Preach the Word until the authorities come in and haul you off. Preach the Word. And we're to be faithful and I would exhort you to be faithful in preaching the whole counsel of God. If by preaching the whole counsel of God, your church shrinks half in size, then preach the whole counsel of God. Preach it all. Preach the whole counsel of God. And I'm going to close with, I guess I would say my favorite verse, Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it, the gospel, not your cleverness, It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You again for Your your grace, Lord. Thank You for choosing us by Your grace. Thank You for calling us out of darkness, God. For dragging us to Yourself, Lord, when we were dead. You dragged our dead spiritual corpse to Yourself and You breathed life into us. And we thank You for that, Lord. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for sending Your Son. I thank You for these men here and these women here, these believers, these different 
flocks that are represented here, Lord. I pray blessings on them. Lord, we ask that you would continue to minister to these dear saints whom you have called to yourself, God. And if there's anybody here who has not come to you by faith, then Lord, I pray that you would draw them by your grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.